All right, our text is in John chapter 15, starting with verse 13, but uh, you'll want to put either a bulletin or something in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, because we're going to get there pretty quickly and spend most of our time there after we read the text and have a word of prayer, and then we'll get right there to it. And so, the title of this message, of course, is Faith Under Fire. And let me really be clear about that. Faith that is real is that you are resolved to follow, to follow the straight and narrow way with no circumstances, no loss will cause you to turn from that commitment to Christ, not even family. Because the devil will use anything that he thinks is a weak spot in your life to attack. And faith says, no, I am standing with Christ. Nothing's taken me from that. And I'm going to stay true to him. I'm going to stay true to the word. I'm going to stay true to all of these things. And that's the idea of faith under fire. And so with that in mind, let's read beginning in John chapter 15 with verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, we think of guys who've gone on to military and in war and lost their life. And we say that's for America, and we, we do appreciate that. We should honor that. But a lot of those weren't their friends that they died for, but they still died for them, but they didn't even know them personally. Well, the great thing about Jesus Christ, He gave His life for us, and He knows you personally. He knows your thoughts afar off. He knows your uh, intents of the heart. He knows the word, that's, every word that's in your mouth, even before you speak it. He knows it all, and He still loves us. And when you receive him, then he is your friend. The next verse says, Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now, sometimes people look at, okay, you just pray in Jesus' name, then uh, whatever you ask is going to happen to you. No, you're bearing fruit for the Lord. What you're asking in his name is that this is something you know because you know the Lord, that this is what he wants. I mean, if you go out there and just say, Lord, uh, boy, I'd like to have a million dollars. Don't expect that prayer to get answered. I mean, I would pray, Lord, let the yard just suddenly shrink and it doesn't have to be mowed. <laughs> let the... Hedges be trimmed so they don't have to be trimmed, you know. 
And, and you think of all those things. That, boy, that'd be nice to pray that way, but it doesn't happen that way, does it? So, what you're doing is praying for that because you love the Lord and you're obeying His commandments. Therefore, you pray according to His will. He says, now, uh, in verse 17, these things I command you that you love one another. Now, you, you ever wonder about that, uh, the why of that? Why is he saying that's so important? Remember, in John 13, 34, and 35, we say, well, hey, that's a good thing. Love one another. Boy, that's a good thing. The, the Bible tells us to uh, love others as you love yourself. And yes, and that's what it said in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it changed it. It's much harder. It says, love one another as Christ loved us. He gave himself for us. He laid down his life for us. That's how we love one another. You're looking at your country today, and you're hearing everything that's going on. Just think about a couple of things. I shared, I think, with the Sunday school class today, but I uh, heard about a, somebody on his uh, little blog, whatever he puts out, says, tomorrow uh, there were so many Christians that are going to be put to death in Islamic land. Scheduled, been held. Missionaries, I believe. We saw many Christians who, several years ago in Islamic lands, that if they would deny the Christian faith and say they accept Allah as their God, then they would not behead their children. They stood crew and they watched their children beheaded. That's faith. All they had to do was deny God. That would not have been faith. And we go on talking about what's going on in America today. When you see all the stuff that's against anything that's moral, anything that's God, anything that's good. And saying, as Isaiah predicted of the last days, they'll call evil good and they'll call good evil. And that certainly seems to be the uh, political, the educational, and the entertainment standard of the day. Calling evil good and good evil. And so America needs people of faith. Not only preachers, people of faith. That will stand true to the word and not abandon it for circumstances, for family, or other failures or friends. You will stay true to God. If you want America to change, that's the kind of commitment it's going to take. That's the commitment it takes. Now notice this next word in verse 18. If the world hate you, Jesus says, that ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own, but... Because you are not of this world, but have chosen, but I, I have chosen you out of this world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, 
The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will also keep yours. Uh, they will keep yours also. But these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. For his name's sake, they will do this unto you. Because they know not him that sent me. Now think of that. Jesus is saying in John 16 too, that day will come where whosoever kills you will think that he's doing God a service. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, uh, he says, Blessed are you when men shall persecute you and shall say all matter of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. You know, God's, I think he created the heaven and the earth. And you read the creation account, it's saying, and God saw that the first day, the first evening, what he created in that day was good. And each day it says, God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. This is a beautiful world. I mean, it is. The heavens and the earth are beautiful. How many like to look up in the stars at night? How many have driven over those mountains and seen the beautiful scenery? And, and just drive the ocean and you hear the roar of the water and the waves and the, uh, just, just the beauty of it all. And God called it good. But when he says something is great, our eyes have never beheld anything like that. But he says, yeah, they persecute you. See, all matter of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice, be exceeding glad, because great is your reward in heaven. I've sometimes felt like, you know, I need to sit down and write a thank you note to some people. <laughs> They're my reward. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's just like that, but we love the fact that the Lord knows everything that's going on in our life. He's there all the way. And so, as we look, he said, but all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they have not known me, known him that sent me. They don't know the Lord. And that's the problem with what you see in America, what you see in education, what you see in entertainment. They can say the name of the Lord. They know all about the Lord as far as he's God that people worship. But the person of God they don't know. And that's our job, to bring them to Christ. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to delve into your word today. And I pray now that as we preach your word, that you'll help me to rightly divide it, preaching the truth as it is to men as they are, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, as we look here, we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 18. Because that's what I want to kind of hit here today as best as I can. I may not finish it today. It may be two weeks from today, but we'll finish it. It says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Wow. He said, Lord said, these are things that are going to happen. Remember what Christ said. 
to the disciples back there. Now here's Paul, the apostle, writing down the words the Holy Spirit gave him. And, and Paul knows, this is what I've experienced. Now the Spirit of God is breathing out each of these words for me to write it for people to know because he's gone through it himself. And so, you keep our text in mind that that is faith under fire when you see the perplexity and the distress that's all going on about them. Faith, their faith is under fire. And God gave us this to see that even under fire, you can endure. How? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And that word do also has the idea in it of endure. I can all endure all things, but through Christ, not I, but through Christ. That's the only way that it can happen is through him. And then he goes on, verse 9. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. You know, circumstances that he's talking about, we know that he received a Roman... <laughs> Whip five times, 39 stripes. We know he was beaten with rods. We knew the times in the prisons. And so he knew what all that was to go through. And, and, and yet he says, cast down but not destroyed, not forsaken. He's, he knows the Lord is right there through it all. That's the fire circumstances are usually the fire that makes some Christians quit, especially if it comes from family. I've been a pastor long enough now to know that people say, oh, my kids want to go to that contemporary church because, oh, they can be good Christians there, and they, they, they love Jesus, and, uh, you know, they, they're tired of these standards. They're tired of this. And those same parents many times were the same ones that didn't think our standards were strong enough until their sweet little things became teenagers. And all of a sudden, that pressure changed them. Their faith did not stand under fire. And so, it might be the family. You know, I've heard people say, God, family, and your job. Boy, that's a great phrase, but it's not true so often for those that say it. God. Well, Christ is actually to be all in all for the Christian. So when you go to your family, you're doing it the way Christ said in the Word of God. Well, you know, priest, pastor, we won't be there this Sunday because we're going to have family time. But, oh, we'll, uh, we'll read a scripture verse and have prayer together. We're going to have family time. We're going to go camping. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to do whatever. Family time, but we're going to remember the Lord. Okay, uh, why don't you do that Monday? Oh, you don't understand. I got a job and my kids got to go to school. So, God is more important than your job or not? He said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. Where does God stand in your life? See, saying God first and family second and your job third is not really true in many lives would say that because that becomes the testing point that Satan attacks to see if your faith is actually real in those things.
Christ must be all in all. Verse 10 says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. You know, it got very physical for the apostle. Now, it's not so bad here in America, except some get put in jail for their faith. But at the suffering that we're seeing in other countries around this world, it hasn't hit here yet. But there's a promise that you won't like as a Christian, found in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, verses uh, 12 and 13. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So that brings a question. Say you're concerned about America today. Are you willing to pay the price? Are we willing to pay, pay the price? We can be as concerned and say we don't like it, but that means absolutely nothing if you won't live godly in Christ Jesus. And you'll find that many times that persecution begins not from the world, from people who claim to know Christ as Savior. Those are the standards they got at that school. Those are the standards they have at that church. They're just a bunch of legalists. A bunch of legalists. Okay. So, is it all right then for your children to go out and drink, have drugs? Is it all right for your wife to run around with another man? Oh, no, you legalist. You say, oh, preacher, that doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. It makes the same sense that yours makes. And they're both wrong. I mean, I've never been pulled over by a policeman. <laughs> I really haven't been pulled over by much. But every once in a while, I have been over the years. I think I've had two tickets in my entire lifetime. But I never called him a legalist. Never called him a legalist. Yeah, I know it's a 40 mile an hour zone, but what's wrong with 70 if you don't hit anybody? Okay. And, and no, you don't call him a legalist. That's, that's crazy. Verse 11. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in your mortal flesh. You see, Christ manifested in us shows that there is a difference in our life between it and the world, between it and the religious world. Christ manifested in our lives means godly, holy in Christ Jesus. And every one of us, me included, we all have to come to that point in our individual lives. We all must be there. We all, all must arrive there and stay there. And he says in verse 12, So then death worketh in us, but life in you. The result of bringing them to Christ through repentance and faith 
Some of those people in the mission team of the Apostle Paul died for their faith, but it brought others to the faith. We read the stories of, in church history of the Roman Colosseums where they would feed Christians to the saints, uh, to the lions. I mean, <laughs> preachers get fed to the saints. Uh, but they would see the lions and they would see the peace those Christians had. They'd see the thing that was different about those Christians. Many of them converted to Christianity right there when they saw it. They come to see it. That was a sporting thing. They'd put uh, outlaws, they'd put murderers and all that in the den of lions. People wanted to see it. That's kind of like a, that kind of a depraved society. But when they saw the difference in these people, it seemed like it brought about change. It brought repentance and faith. Verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith, uh, ye having the same uh, spirit of faith as well, but we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed. And therefore have I spoken. We also believe. And wherefore speak. In other words. It was that which proved. That their faith. Was a true living faith. Not just a professed faith. It was a faith that stood in the fires. Kind of like the three Hebrew children. In the fiery furnace. They stood, and God delivered them. Verse 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus, and shall present us with you, with you. See, you have eternity set in your heart. You can endure these things that says that Jesus said in our text of persecution. All these terrible, what we'd call maladies and, and, and really just disasters. And they endured because they had eternity set in their heart. And they knew great is the reward that was in heaven. Verse 15, for all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might be through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. If you remain true, you remain true in the fires, praising the Lord in the fires. You know, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses uh, 6 and 7 tells us about it. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that is manifold trials and troubles that are hitting you, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold, 
that perisheth. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Faith. Faith that stands in the fire. Verse 16. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Therefore, don't ever quit. Don't ever quit. Every day, be in the Word of God, not only to read it, but to meditate and think on it. Many times you'll find that the Lord gives you something to share with someone else that will help them. Somebody comes to you and God just gave you something that morning. Faith. Faith. You walk according to the Word of God. You walk in a way that although persecuted, although rejected by so many, that in the long run, you come to find out, faith is the victory that overcometh the world. For our, oh, wait a minute, Paul, you got beaten with rods five times. Once you were stoned and left for dead. You read uh, chapter 11, verses 23 through 31. He talks about all the terrible things that happened to him. Of 2 Corinthians. All the troubles, all the trials, prison, time after time, dungeons, cold. He says, for our light affliction, our light affliction. Thinking of all those things, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. I remember the first time I had a funeral in my first church. I had never preached a funeral before. I was scared to death. Somebody called and asked me to do it because I knew the people. I said, yeah, I'll do it. I didn't know, the, know much about it, but I said, yeah, I'll do it. I called Dad. I said, Dad, I've never preached a funeral before. What do I do? He just ripped it right off. Okay, write this down. This is what you say. This, this, this is your outline. Really? Yeah, just write it down. Life is short. Sin the curse. Christ the cure. I preached that and some people got saved. Why? Right, because that's it. But life is short. Life is short. He calls it a light affliction and but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I was sharing with the Sunday school class this morning, Romans chapter 8, verses 17 and 18, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. I talked earlier those 
people slain for the uh, cause of Christ over in those Islamic lands. Some of them will be slain tomorrow. Those Taliban going through just wherever they find Christians, they're killing them. And think about that. <laughs> they call it. They say that suffering is minute in its comparison of greatness to the greatness of the glory that God gives us that's forever. Yes. Actually, it believes because faith knows the promises of God are sure and it acts on what the Bible says. So verse 18 well, we look not for, at the things which are, have, are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I could go on about what was popular. Well, we could talk about what was popular in the 20s, because when we, in the 50s and 60s, we kids laughed at it. Our kids don't know better. They laughed at the things that we did in the 60s and 70s. And, we're, you know, we, we, were, we, we were sharp. We knew better. Okay. And you that are at that age now, your kids, if the Lord tarries is coming, are going to laugh at your, your group. What you thought was the best thing in the world, those things are temporal. Only one life will soon be passed. What's done, only what's done for Christ will last. In short, this world hates God. That's what Jesus told us in John 15. But in my prayer today, and what the Bible says is found clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators. Fornication, from the Greek word pornea, from which we get our word pornography, but is, means sexual sin of any kind. It can be bestiality. It can be child molesting. It can be uh, sex trafficking that's going on. It can be any kind of sexual sin. Anything outside the marriage bed is sin. Moving in and living together without marriage is abominable, rotten sin, no better than homosexual marriage. It is wrong in the sight of God. Amen. Now, so he said, again, coming back to here, looking at this, then right shall not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators nor idolaters that worships anything else outside of God, idols, nor adulterers, those that cheat on their marriage partner, nor effeminate, looking at homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, whether they're a harlot, whether they're uh, lesbians or what have you, or child molesters, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers. You know what the... Revelers was used as back in the day, that word. Those that drank just enough to get what they call happy. Social drinking. They didn't necessarily get drunk. 
Now the same word was used for drinking parties where they did get drunk. But this is not necessarily referring to drinking parties. Revelers, a social drinking crowd, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, you say, I can't get saved. It didn't stop there. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. How? Washed in the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. When he shed his blood on the cross, he was dying for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. All of us. For the sins of the whole world, 1 John 2, verse 2 says. But that payment's not given to your account until you receive him as your Lord and Savior. But ye are sanctified. That is, you're set apart when you receive it for holy use. These people that had all these sins at Corinth got saved, and they were set apart by God for holy use. There would be probably people in church, he can't be right with God. He can't be saved. He can't. Oh, don't trust that guy. Don't trust that lady. But oh, when God does a work, he does a complete work. He'll save. He'll cleanse. He says, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God who's come to indwell you when you receive Christ. My friend, no matter where you've gone, you can be saved today. If you're not sure if you died today, then heaven's your home. I want to invite you to come to Him today. On the other hand, as a Christian, we've got to let our lives reflect the glory, the holiness, the godliness of our Lord and Savior. If you want something to happen in this country, you'll need to come to this altar and dedicate yourself that friends, family, fortune, or anything else will take you from that commitment of Jesus Christ that you will be true when your faith is under fire. Let's bow our heads, please.